0: Okay, hello guys and welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and this is episode number 6. I am here joined by my guest Anthony Sidrick and so before basically I get into anything about what this episode is going to be about, I'd like to uh, basically, and if you could tell the audience a little bit more about yourself a little bit mm-hmm. more um so they just know who you are before we go into today's specific topic absolutely um
1: so yeah my um, name's Anthony i'm a 32 year old uh natural drug free bodybuilder um still fairly new in the whole competing side of things um first show sure was last year um but yeah i've been training for coming on Uh, just over 17 years now so uh, fairly experienced in the gym i'd say um and yeah my aims my goals are just to become as good as i can be as a natural athlete basically and uh yeah see how far i can take it
0: brilliant so what what got you into bodybuilding originally now the topic obviously we're going to speak about today Mm. is slightly different yeah just give the viewers a brief idea as to what got you into lifting and how how lifting has sort of changed your life currently just a brief round up
1: yeah of course cool. so, I mean when I first started training it was back in 2001 and I remember quite vividly seeing this um body for life transformation it was a guy called Anthony Ellis who managed to go from a pretty skinny guy and um, quite lean but skinny into a jacked guy in three months and I thought oh man that sounds amazing um because I was pretty skinny like yeah, you know, most Obviously. most teens are um and I thought yeah that that sounds really cool um obviously results didn't come quite as quickly at first, but yeah. um I became hooked on on the training straight away, and okay. then yeah, just gradually started to learn more about diet and nutrition um uh, but the main focus of me was always uh bettering myself in the in the weights room to be honest <laughs> um making those goals um I initially wanted to compete when I was in my early twenties, but uh with various things happening in life it just wasn't the right wasn't the right time for me yeah um, sure. yeah I was more inclined to go out drinking and stuff and now as a slightly more mature adult um competing is definitely yeah right for me and most of my yeah. goals at the moment are all you know are all going to be com- competition sure. competition goals and but, so yeah.
0: for the viewers that don't obviously don't already know what what mm-hmm. do you do for a living do you are you working a normal job what you what do you do for a living at the moment
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm self-employed. Um, Being self-employed for since 2008. Um, I'm currently a home personal trainer and online coach. Um, but I've also worked in a gym for for quite a long period of time. And yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I do. It's a mixture of online and and home home PT work at the moment, which is good. It's a nice bit of variation. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I can I can relate with that. For yeah, sure. exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: so um yeah, so for for us today, what we've got is a little bit different to the other episodes because I wanted to bring Ant onto the podcast to discuss a specific topic, purely because we've both been through it. Last year, <laughs> me and me and Ant were both prepping for competitions, and we shared a lot of conversations on these these sort of topics, and we've we always thought about maybe sort of getting it out there and getting more people to realize what it's actually like to get into stage condition. So as you'll see by the title, what we're really going to be talking about and touching on is the psychological and physiological effects of a contest prep diet. Um, So now both, you know, whilst these two things are kind of similar they do have their differences and Mm. there are a bunch of topics that they relate to pretty hard um with a contest prep so i think it's important for people to get this message and really understand it prior to them Mm. even deciding about competing so yeah this is why it's really important especially for 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 the younger guys out there because they may not see it as a task so difficult so Before we get into it, Anthe, I'd just like you to sort of describe to the audience what what last year was like in terms of what you achieved. Give them an idea as to... I mean, I'm sure we will link a photo of your, your conditioning, <laughs> etc. But give them an idea of what you achieved in your first competitive season. Uh, what sort of condition were you in and, and what did, how did you place at your shows? Give them an idea of your results.
1: Uh, yeah, so basically... Um... Like IEJ, I would just uh, enter the BMBF um, series of competitions, which is a yeah natural federation here in the UK. Um, definitely recommend them. And my aim was to uh, just go for the BNBF Southern, which was in yeah early mid July uh, twenty fifteen, and with the aim to qualify and then get to the finals. Um, so basically, I gave myself like a good six months. I started prep properly in uh, early January, and then after six months of hard yeah hard dieting and a bit before which I'll go into um yeah I uh entered the novice class in my show um and I I won my class uh, which was pretty awesome pretty amazing um then I went on to win the overall title as well for the BNBF Southern last year and and best wills of course Um, (laughs) and yes from that show um I obviously qualified and Went to the finals, which was in I believe September, is in mid September 2015. Um, but through the you know, excessively long period of dieting, um, my physique took a bit of a, a downward turn, and yeah, unfortunately, I didn't place in the finals. Which yeah, was the right decision in my opinion. But yeah, those were my two shows last year. So an overall win, and then and yeah, a non-placing in the final
0: for sure. Mm. So and achieved some incredible conditioning to put a sort of hallmark on that. We're talking about very very striated quads we're talking mm. about striated glutes we're not talking about getting on stage with some abs we're talking about serious levels of con- conditioning that require some sacrifice and this is what mm. we're going to touch on today um so how before we get into obviously those sort of things how yeah. did you achieve this physique so did you follow sort of a bro meal plan uh did you did you use you know, obviously you're in the BNBF so we do realise yeah. that you you were a natural athlete. Yeah. But explain to the guys obviously what sort of foods you were eating um and how you really approached your prep in terms of uh, from a nutritional standpoint.
1: Mm, absolutely. So um yeah, one hundred percent flexible with my with my diet, um, no meal plans here. Sure. <laughs> and basically with the flexibility that my job offers as well, being a home PT, I don't really have to because I'm not in an office all day, um I don't need to think that much about what I'm eating. because I can always pop home, grab some food and eat on the fly. uh, And yeah, without much thought. So very much a flexible diet. And um, started off on a set amount of proteins, carbs and fats, overall calories. Uh, I even remember that my first macros were 200 protein, 290 carbs, 80 fats, which are my first prep macros. Pretty decent. And um, yeah, from there, I basically, if I found my weight, uh, would stick for a for a certain amount of time I started to take the numbers down a little bit um and then start to incorporate more more cardio into the routine but because it was such a long period of time and because I was pretty lean to begin with um, I was able to get into you know the kind of condition which yeah, helped me win the show um, right. yeah
0: so that gives you guys an idea as to you know how Anne achieved this <laughs> and the thing that I want you guys to remember when we go into the topics is that and use flexible dieting this is going to be something that we will touch on and we're going to touch on the pros and cons of potentially why flexible dieting, dieting can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing okay so obviously we know and a lot of us that will be listening to the podcast will know that there are some side effects of getting into condition for for bodybuilding shows so what's point did you realize in your bodybuilding prep that any sort of things were going south in terms of how you felt um, mm-hmm. or how you perceived things so we're talking about both psychological and physiological so when did these sort of big things happen not necessarily what but sort of when
1: um for, for me it was actually pretty early um wow. too too early i'd say uh, and that goes to yeah, that boils out the fact that I was actually pretty lean to begin with. Um, so my show was in uh, mid July, July the 12th, 2015. I started to get my first side effects um, of having low body fat uh, in mid March. So from oh. four months out, um, and at first the side effects were pretty subtle. It was just a little bit of tiredness, and and that was it. And I thought like, that's strange, feeling a bit more tired than usual. Um, But that was just the beginning. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, for me, it it was four months. Four months out, I started to feel my very first side effects. Uh, Like six kilos above stage weight as well, that was. Okay,
0: that's a Um, very interesting topic. And I'd like mm -hmm. to add that obviously people, and if you're approaching a bodybuilding prep, people will feel these sort of symptoms at different points. Oh, yeah. We all have sort of a comfortable level of body fat. I believe the right term is body fat set point so where your body will be happy at a comfortable range drop below that and you start to feel um, some negative side effects and this yeah. is obviously what me and aunt both sort of went through uh, last year so can you describe the initial impact so you're saying you know at this point during prep you got <clears throat> to this point and you started to think well so, like, something doesn't feel quite normal here yeah and now i'd like to describe what those sort of things were just initially mm-hmm. the initial things and whether it was you that noticed them or did other people point these things out to you how did it really sort of come apparent
1: um, with with the tiredness because it was quite quite subtle um it was only me who noticed it at first um and then, obviously, I live with my wife, Sarah, and then she did start to notice, yeah, that. Um, mm. I'll just have very little energy. And this was still, like, 15, 16 weeks out um, when I first started to feel it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, the initial the initial symptoms were just a, a slight lack of tiredness. Uh, it was only later on in prep, like I say, a good month later, that things started to deteriorate a little bit more, um, okay. and other effects started to become more more prominent
0: sure for sure so did you find that this so for people watching that maybe have a busy day job they maybe Mm. they maybe are a personal trainer like us yeah or they're doing things um at home or have important social events to go to did you find that this had a drastic effect on those things completely outside of the gym um
1: yeah i mean definitely certainly towards the end of prep um yeah things things got to the point where I wouldn't I would avoid uh, social occasions Basically, what about the um,
0: initial ones did the initial ones have an effect on work or home or anything like that so <laughs> like the 12 week out mark did they have an effect
1: honestly not to be fair okay, um, and I was well. fairly lean by that stage I was starting to get I remember from my every now and again I look back at my youtube videos to see my my conditioning and yeah. that is when I first started to get, like, the odd ab vein and but by, by most people's standards I was I was shredded at that point um also, I knew that I could take things a lot further. Um, having said that, yeah, like I said, it was just it was just a bit of tiredness and fatigue um, at first, and, and, and it was fairly manageable, to be fair. Uh, so that was all it was. Uh, yeah.
0: Just Did you? That. This is an interesting question. Did you mm. feel like I've got this twelve-week mark? I've mm. got so much longer to go. Yeah. What if I qualify for the finals? did you, did at any point you think these feelings are potentially coming too soon and did you feel worried as a result
1: uh no see i weirdly i felt happy that i was feeling this lean because <laughs> uh, i mean I, I don't know why but people were saying cause i just that was just when i joined instagram and social media um okay. which kind of helped actually in my prep um and everyone was saying you, you know you look shredded for this this far out and i thought nah, that's good because then i can get even more shredded um <laughs> Basically, my aim going into the first show, and it's not an aim I would honestly recommend for people, I just thought to myself, and I said to Sarah, I just want to be the most shredded guy on stage, and I don't really care about anything else, I just have to be the most shredded guy. Um, and looking back, that was probably a bit of a mistake. Um, obviously, you should aim to be your best on stage, and that's a, yeah, yeah, that's a culmination of yeah, muscle size, symmetry, condition, uh, fullness. Um, and I think once you start to dig too deep into the conditioning factor, um, you're going to have to make sacrifices everywhere else. Um, So, yeah, honestly, I didn't feel... I kind of felt good about that. I I thought, okay, I'm ahead of schedule. Um, uh, Yeah, to reach my target of being just the leanest guy up there. Um, Yeah, I didn't really think of the potential side effects at the time. I was just so focused on that goal, to be honest.
0: For sure. Did did, Did you think the side effects were only going to get worse? Or did you feel that because you obviously you've gotten lean before i've seen pictures of you in the past mm. of you in very good condition yeah and this is where obviously i think at the 12 week mark you probably transitioned from that beach body look yeah yeah to okay now i'm going to be a bodybuilder i'm going to step on mm. stage in trunks yeah my, my glutes are going to be on show mm. i want them to be shredded That's now it. did you feel like i know this is going to get worse but i'm prepared for it Yeah, is that how you felt? Yeah, so you felt really prepared.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I was so focused. I mean, I was, yeah, prepared to not let anything get in my way. To be honest, um, which, yeah, it's going to have effects on other aspects of your life. But because I was just so focused on this show, um, and because I'd spent a long time, you know, preparing to get in shape for this show, that I was just extremely focused, and and I would do whatever, whatever it took, basically, yeah.
0: I think that's a a really good piece of advice Mm. for anyone that's watching this that's maybe at that 12 week out mark. You never know, there might be people watching this that are fairly close to a show, they're struggling, Mm. they're starting to feel those struggles come in. Yeah. I think that what you just said there about having that laser focus is, is something that just people need to grasp. Yeah. Purely because this is this is something that everyone should know you will never transition from that beach body Mm. to the striated glutes the striated legs until you have the ability to mentally push through that barrier which is obviously why the psychological effects are are so strong Mm, definitely so brilliant that was a a very good topic i really like to talk quite a lot about the next topic, which is going to be under the bracket of food, <laughs> and, and food, food is something that just to give the audience like a brief, a brief roundup as to what sort of food things can happen during a contest breakfast, Food becomes a lot more of an issue, not just in the calories going down but the fact that you are experiencing just a completely different relationship with food. And these are some experiences that me and Ant both shared to the point Mm. where we'd have quite a lot of Facebook chats about food or about things that are going on with food. Um, This is something really important and I hope that a lot of people can relate to this listening to the podcast. So describe to us everything, well, just the biggest things that you experienced moving into the deeper stages of prep. Mm. In fact, maybe as we started with the initial effects, yeah. let's start with when did food focus or something different with food happen to you during prep?
1: Um, I'd say for me it was probably around the 12-week-out the stage. Um, so, yeah, a little bit after when I first started, started noticing the tiredness. 12-week-out, okay. um, so when I was pretty lean, that's when I first started to to notice it yeah and i honestly i would i would describe it as um it's a feeling of yeah you know you can be physically full from eating a meal um it can be really satiating super high volume but you're never kind of psychologically full and that's that's what I was feeling in a nutshell that's what the, the last you know three months of prep was like you're just never you're never psychologically full from eating
0: but yeah would you say that the initial food focus was something that you had thought would happen did you th- did you know that this was something that was going to take place
1: i i had you know kind of looked up um i i'd looked at a, a lot of 3dmj videos in the past and other other youtubers and so i kind of uh anticipated to an extent but i couldn't really i don't really think you can prepare yourself for how it's going to be And I think it's going to be different for everyone. I mean, because I'm I'm prepping clients currently, and uh, it's it's not the same for everyone. Some people have that kind of food focus, but some some don't. Um, But certainly, certainly for me, uh, yeah, it it was a it was an issue. It was an issue I could control, but it was definitely something that I had to control really if I wanted to stay on track.
0: Yeah, it's it's nice to hear that you could control it, Mm. and the. The, the The question that leads on because obviously we want to flow with this is mm-hmm. the question that leads on from that is this did you ever have a slip up? Did you ever have a point in prep where you were the food problem that you know the it's mostly physiological this adaptation yeah. because what happens is obviously the hormones that are going on in your body whilst being at a low body fat are telling you, man, you need more food, you need more food, you need more food. And it's not... Whilst psychological things can control it, people need to realise that it's more a physiological effect of dieting than it is psychological. Mm. And I think a lot of people get hung up on thinking this is psychological, I need to battle through it, I need to battle through it. Mm. You need to work with it, correct? Yeah, yeah. But you've got to realise that these things happen to anyone who is dieting. It's a, it's a physiological yeah. effect. Um, so, when did you sort of like feel like my original question, mm. did slip you up. have a slip-up <laughs> at any point during your competition prep diet?
1: Um, I came very close to having one once and I was what? due a refeed day about seven weeks out, and this was the time where I started to implement um, some kind of, you know, they, they weren't set refeed numbers, they were kind of see how you feel, which can be dangerous, especially as me and my wife were going to London to meet with friends, uh, everyone would be drinking, and yeah, we went to a hotel, we got a load of food, sweets, um, you know, low-fat food, of course, but uh, a, a lot of carby food. And I, I remember being on about 600 carbs before we went out for a Nando's and then I had a few beers and it, it was kind of hard to track, hard to track things. And eventually I just had to bow and, and leave with one because it was just messing with my head so much. Um, So that was about as close as I come to a slip up and yeah, it could have easily gone yeah full on like binging to, nice. be, to be fair. Um, But had, you know, to combat that, had I not gone out at all, it would have been a lot easier to deal with. Sure. Uh,
0: but yeah, I I have heard a lot more uh, this year. People going away from their competition prep diets. I'm not sure if you agree, okay. but I've seen it quite often on social media. People coming away from their prep diets, and I'm not <clears> sure <throat> as to whether it's becoming more in the limelight. If people right. know Matt Ogus, I know that Matt Ogus <laughs> did quite a big video on his sort of quite Iraq like binges and like poor relationship with food that he developed on his contest prep Mm. so i'm not sure as to whether it's becoming people view it as normal and they Mm. feel like it's okay but i would like to touch on it and i i just remember vividly when you mentioned the fact that we i think we both started doing how do you feel (laughs) um so i'd really like to touch on that because i think that's potentially a really 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 bad idea (laughs) because when you are when you're dieting you're doing these like low calorie days in order to achieve a deficit Mm -hmm. you cannot you cannot tell yourself i'm gonna go by feel if i feel like i can have more carbohydrate then i'll Mm -hmm. have it because you are like you're just an empty (laughs) empty pit for food you can put anything in. You can feel bloated like a whale. Mm-hmm. And you can keep putting food in. And I remember vividly, one, <laughs> one, one or two days, I had, if Harry Johnson watches this, I had Harry Johnson over for a few days. <laughs> and it was, I'd reached, like, my peak conditioning. I'd I awesome. And I'd pushed so hard for it. Mm. And I did one of my refeeds. I was due a refeed. And I had, I think, my normal refeeds were either 600 or 700 grams. And I remember watching a 3DMJ video of Jeff Alberts, and he had a 2011 prep where he was doing these auto-regulated refeeds. So yeah. if anyone doesn't know who, what auto-regulating is, it's basically going by feel. You know, You can do it in your training. You can adapt to how you feel on a given day. Um, And you can obviously do it with nutrition as well. Maybe maybe not in a deficit. (laughs) And I just remember waking up, having my usual meals. I'd get home from training and I'd be like, I'm just an empty pit. I can have Mm. more. And it would be... I'd weigh it out to the gram, so I was weighing rivitas out mm. to the gram, I yeah. was weighing uh, Dutch crisp bakes out to the gram, <laughs> Snackerjack, jack, caravan snacker jacks. Nice. I think I hit, and there's a post somewhere, you'll be able to find it, I think I hit 1,000 grams of carbs mm. with, with 32 grams of fat, which wow, is that's quite, it's <laughs> quite the achievement. Yeah. So, and I also remember very vividly when we were having a conversation on Facebook and I think you were at some sort of birthday party or something and you were yes, eating I remember skittles. This. Yeah, yeah. You were eating Skittles and you were like, yeah. I think I think I can have more or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think I can get away with more this time. Mm. Um, so it's it's really important for people to realise that if you are refeeding, probably a good idea is to to, to be structured with them. Do you agree? Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean I think these, these days can be helpful, but I, I think in future preps, I might just stick to set numbers. Um, yeah, I, I might just change. I, I would even change those latest during the day if I feel I need to, but um, I think once it goes past midday, then uh, I don't want to be making any, you know, oh, let's add another 100, 200 grams of carbs here. I think it's best to mostly stick with your plan of, of macros, even if it is is seven, 800 grams of carbs. Um because when your when your hormones are all over the place, when your leptin levels are that low, I mean, yeah, you could probably smash like three kilos of carbs if you if you wanted to. I mean, oh yeah, uh, yeah, nothing's gonna fill you up. Um, but yeah, I remember that day vividly. Actually, that was a yeah, I ate a lot of food and still didn't feel full. Nice, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's just what a, it's like.
0: You're just a bottomless pit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's just just a really really interesting topic. And would you think mm. that? my you know did you ever feel guilty or like you'd set yourself back and do you think that the refeeds or looking at food as a refeed and the higher carbohydrate Mm. days do you ever feel like there was this element of guilt or oh man i don't want this refeed it's gonna set me back or anything like that because i've experienced that
1: quite a lot with people um, I, I did, I did feel that, and it, it would often, you know, the refeed days were sometimes, yeah, you know, more pain than pleasure because, you know, sometimes four, fifty carbs, seven hundred carbs, whatever it, it it ends up being, it just isn't enough, and you know, you, you get to the end of the day, and yeah, you know, you, you're so bloated, um, your muscles will feel fuller and better, but uh, yeah, due to the extra bloating, um, yeah, you you're gonna second guess yourself, and I did as well. I had. Uh, I remember I had two consecutive days of a 900-gram carb and a 1,000-gram carb day um, just after I'd been to the doctors to get checked out because I was just feeling, you know, god-awful Hard. after after the first show. Um, and, yeah, I felt I felt a little bit of guilt. Like, did I, did I go too far, maybe? Um, but it, it turns out I recovered nicely from it. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say for me, um, the the psychological aspects of food was – it would, it became – yeah, you know, the only thing on my mind, um, yes. basically. So, I would always be thinking about the next meal. Always, yeah. You know, if I wasn't eating, I'd be thinking about the next meal. Um, I wouldn't want to eat with anyone around me. Weirdly, that was another strange That's thing. So um,
0: similar. So yeah,
1: similar. Yeah, it became, uh, and I think you said this as well, and it hit the nail on the head. Like a like a ritual, like some kind of religious thing. It was it was so so strange. Like, and even I remember. I would have two bites of food and then I'd have to have some water. Um, it would be like a little, a strange little <laughs> ritual I had, um, to fill me up also because I'm OCD, you know, I'm crazy. Um, and yeah, it was just the weirdest experience. And having it's hard to explain, and I don't think you can really prepare yourself for it um, until you get to those crazy levels of body fat. And I think a lot of bodybuilders won't experience this because you, I think you probably have to be pretty shredded to to have these effects. I think
0: um, yeah, I think if you're not sitting down with your chair in a particular direction, <laughs> yeah. with a particular spoon, mm, then yeah. you're not shredded, yeah <laughs> I have my favorite spoon as well, yeah, yeah. yeah that's literally it. <laughs> it. the favorite spoon, the favorite cup, mm. I remember having if I was having hot drinks, it'd be in the same cup, and it had yeah, to be yeah. it had to be in the same cup. <laughs> <sighs> these things it's crazy isn't it these things so many people will hopefully open like open up this podcast listen to this podcast Mm. and they'll be like ah finally like I'm not the only one um so another question that I really really had on food was do you think that flexible dieting had a positive or a negative effect on your food focus and your ability to work around these issues that you had with food
1: um i think flexible dieting uh it helps to an extent um certainly in the early stages of prep uh, because i was in prep for so long it certainly helped those first four months or so where i was you know still eating chocolate on a daily basis still eating like massive meringue nests and loads of you know snacker jacks crisps um cereals and this was on even non-refeed days so you know i love the variety that they offered and still managed to get you know get very very lean um I, I think once you get into the deep stages of prep though um i, I don't think it's i think then it becomes about uh, yeah, level with the whole clean eating structured meal plan i i don't really th- i think once you get to that stage it's going to be i don't want to say hell but it's going to be very very challenging for you and um, whichever uh Whichever kind of diet you follow, but certainly for the first stage of your prep, it's it's incredible because you're, you're getting lean um, while still eating all these amazing foods. Um, which yeah, which other people will, won't, won't have experienced if you're sticking to like, yeah, a brain meal plan.
0: I think there's some element of merit to potentially looking at um, periodized nutrition for. <clears throat> for a bodybuilding contest prep. So say say the first ten weeks, you felt mm. fairly good, yeah. everything's all brilliant. Flexible dieting is well and truly in mm. Brill. So you get to that ten week mark, you check in with your coach or you're you're doing regular sort of check ins with yourself. Yeah. Boom. Like one one or two weeks you're starting to feel really groggy, really mm. bad. I think that's where we could almost take in a meal plan just Mm. so just so that levels of fullness satiety and just from a mental point of view it might actually benefit people yeah yeah,
1: that would work i think just having that structure because
0: Um, i find a lot of people create food, food food focus by spending all day on my fence pal I literally think that that is one of the biggest causes of people just looking too deep into nutrition. Mm. They're looking at the calories of everything. Man, in my first prep, twenty fourteen, mm. I remember when I first sort of grasped. Like it was, it was only halfway through my prep. Yeah, because originally I was a bro, and I've, I've, I've had plenty of people like this. Marcus was very much initially a bro, and mm. he came over and halfway through he just clocked and he started changing over and that was similar to me yeah. but I would find myself walking around the supermarket scanning bloody items <laughs> of food <laughs> and being like whoa the macros are great on this Yeah. and that's all well and good when you're in a surplus and you're not really focused too much on it but mm. I think when you're in a deficit you're tired you're hungry the last thing you want to be thinking about is how many pink and whites can you fit in your refeed yeah um, I agree yeah So
1: food is already going to be the main focus and that's just going to amplify even more. So I agree completely.
0: Cool. Moving Uh, on to our last question on food, because this is something I really, really wanted to hit on. I think we've got a lot of good tips on this. So really, really great segment here for people to listen to. So the last question is, and I'm sure a lot of people potentially now, potentially later in the year will benefit from this. And this is how long do you think, or well, you will know now. How long was it until you realised that this food focus had almost completely eradicated itself from your daily life post show? Oh, okay. Um,
1: yeah. Interesting. So, so after my last show in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd I'd say food focus. Um, it was a couple of September, a couple of months I say, a good eight weeks before um, I wasn't obsessing with food because obviously I still had to reverse diet out of that, out of my initial macros, um, and, and in fact though that, that was a horrible eight weeks. Um, Tell us more to...
0: about that. Tell us more about happen what happened post show, and do you think that this describe how it was potentially caused by psychological things going on, like how how did how did those weeks sort of fold out
1: <laughs> um well yeah i mean obviously initially um yeah the big physical physiological impact was the the huge water attention i got when i went to prague for a week with my wife um massive swelling ankles and from, from six pack to to no six pack in yeah like that instantly scary stuff and um, once i got back into the swing of things uh psychologically it was difficult um, just because there's no there's no goal you haven't got a goal anymore for a show you haven't got a date um and you're still sticking on these fairly low numbers when your hormones are nowhere near back to where they should be so you know i was on maybe 250 300 carbs um maybe a little bit higher but that was nowhere near what i what i wanted and because of that it was just those um seven to eight weeks were very very difficult for me um yeah just because i was nowhere near back to back to normal it's both psychologically and physiologically
0: did you follow through with quite a strict reverse because i know that you went to prague came back and i was still prepping at that point and you said yeah yeah. you you sent me a picture of your (laughs) your midsection and i was Mm. pretty blown Uh, away by how quickly your body had changed obviously you'd gone from pretty damn shredded to mm. very bloated in, in a very short period of time and in was, a week and it was noticeable yeah. yeah so you know how how did you sort of go about you know did you go into a very strict reverse through that after that
1: period well i just basically set my plan um i'd set myself macros which post pride i was planning on hitting okay and once a lot of that water weight had subsided you know the abs came back and i got back on track with the reverse the weight come down and then it yeah gradually crept up again yeah um but yeah it was just it was like a couple of weeks of like huge water retention um which yeah i think f- for those competing for the first time uh, teens juniors or anyone um, it's something that you may not really anticipate and then it hits you and you're like well what's what's happened to me it's pretty scary <laughs> um but yeah once i got back and hit, hit the macros things were pretty smooth sailing and i'd here to the reverse like quite well um I probably put on weight a little quicker than I would have uh, liked but I mean
0: do you think that was a benefit
1: I-, I think I needed it to be fair um
0: I think I'd agree
1: yeah um I mean I'm currently sitting at uh, probably like 10 kilos over a carved up stage weight and yeah I'm, I mean I'm feeling good now I think I'm back to yeah, hormonally, what a human sh- a human should be like. Um, yeah. But it took me, yeah, it took me a while to get back to that stage. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to give my two cents on that, I really mm. feel that the uh, longevity, sorry, to rephrase that, the length of the contest prep will drastically affect the length of the recovery. Uh, yeah, and definitely. I think that. I had quite a long prep similar to yours mm. and so I finished prep late October in December January probably closing into early February I was still pretty bad mm. in terms of my food focus really, I can yeah. I can remember Christmas being pretty dodgy in terms of the fact that I would just I would just think I would just think about food as Calories, I think, mm. like, I'd never, I'd, I wouldn't feel full. Yeah. I probably had circa, you know, if any of my clients see this, I do apologize. I probably had circa 6,000, maybe 7,000 calories on Christmas Day purely because <laughs> I just, I just couldn't I just couldn't like psychologically stop myself right yeah um from 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 eating purely because I just didn't have this full cap yet yeah and i think that's because i did stay relatively lean i was about five, uh, 10 pounds above my stage weight mm. being honest with every viewer i think my when i felt normal was when i was 20 or maybe 15 above yeah, but the the very thing the very odd thing, Anne, is I felt awesome mm. up until so coming down. Yeah, I felt brilliant until I was about five pounds away from stage weight. Really, that's interesting. Which is very yeah. very interesting, I'd love someone to almost document that because obviously hormones are suppressed for a long period of time hence why I think the length of a contest prep affects how mm. quickly you recover because mm. obviously when you're coming down, 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 hormones are slowly getting suppressed. Whereas you're coming up, yeah. I think it takes almost a bit of an influx of food for you to yeah, get, yeah. for you to get them straight back up to where they should be. And that thus an increase in body weight um, mm. and obviously stress, etc. throughout the prep. But yeah. that is something really interesting to hit on. I think for me personally it took a lot longer things were happening like i finished my last meal of the day i can Mm -hmm. remember talking to jack Gad um on facebook messenger and thinking we were both chatting about how hungry we were and how that you know we were like we've done we've finished like why are we still hungry (laughs) and then i think i ate like four like I think every night I'd finish my last meal and then I'd somehow condemn eating two squares of dark chocolate which is obviously 120 calories like Mm. I could have 120 calories of something way more filling than dark chocolate yeah yeah but for some reason some psychological reason I just I had to condemn myself to to eat that it was very very odd which showed me that I wasn't quite in the right place um food wise um so what would be to close this food topic what would be Mm. the the biggest advice that you would give to Mm. an individual that's currently focusing currently suffering with some element of food focus whether it be during or post show Mm. what would you say would be the main things that's helped you fix it and just eradicate it and say goodbye to your food focus
1: um I think honestly you kind of you just have to almost li- live with it and it, yeah you know, it's going to be hard I think whatever um I'd say don't rush things don't you know don't stop tracking completely um you know, because that's only going to end badly but also don't reverse too slowly either um I think there needs to be an initial bump of calories um straight away post show and then you can gradually increase things from there um but what would I say to yeah, honestly, it's just, I think it's just hard. Uh, suck it up. Suck it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in terms of that, yeah. But honestly, what, yeah.
0: what mm. if they were struggling with it afterwards? Mm. Yeah. So I know me and you have struggled with it with, like, a little bit afterwards, not massively, but if they were mm. really, really struggling with it afterwards, mm-hmm. would you say that the best option is to potentially see. A professional that's maybe dealt with a lot of people that's gone through food focus issues um because potentially obviously it could hang around for a period of time that's just not manageable for example if it was affecting their work-life balance yeah
1: maybe maybe that'd be a good idea yeah you don't want to have a, a bad relationship with food for life i mean that'd be mm-hmm. be awful um yeah
0: i think yeah so for anyone watching this that is obviously dealing with some element of food focus There's potentially just like there's loads of information on nutrition training bodybuilding Mm. there's probably a podcast out there a book or something that you can get that's really going to help you with sort of specific professional advice Mm. from someone that's dealt with a load of clients with food focus so that would be probably the main tip to take away from this is if it is affecting your life still say five six months down the line Mm. post show you probably need to do something about it um, because it is is something that shouldn't hang around it for too long.
1: Yeah, no, it shouldn't. I, I think a lot of it is, is going to be, yeah, hormonal changes. I think once they get back to to normal, I think most people, I, I imagine, would be, would be okay. I mean, yeah, you're, we're both. I think we say we have a, we have a good relationship with food now. Yeah. We're back to normal. Um, yeah i, yeah, mean, I we, guess it's going to be different for others, yeah you know.
0: i mean like it's things like over the weekend like me and aunt ate out at a restaurant mm. uh, we, we'd be freaking out usually you know if we we're in <laughs> prep or post-show yeah we'd, we'd just be freaking out about salt sodium uh, so, yeah. i remember when we had that burger in brighton you know yeah we, we, it's things like this we'd even message message each other the next morning saying like how much are you up by? yeah and yeah it's just <laughs> things like <laughs> that better. it's just like we'd you, you shouldn't be worrying about that now um. Yeah. if you're, like, that far away from a show. But, you know, just it's it, it, it will hang about and things mm. will happen. So it's important that people do realise that.
1: Yeah, but it will get better. Will for be sure,
0: better. for sure. So we've talked a lot about food, which I expected, which is good. <laughs> so I want to touch a little bit. I don't want to hold you for too long. I no, don't no, want to hold the cool. listeners for too long, of course. But I want to touch a little bit on physique and how the physique sort of things impacted your prep from a psychological point of view obviously it's mainly psychological things going on with mm. how you view your physique during contest prep so to start off with I'd like you to sort of say how, how did you feel when you started your contest prep were you very comfortable in your current body and did you feel like always happy whatever clothes you wear etc etc
1: yeah, I mean, when I first started prep, um, yeah, I've been training for a long for a long time, so I've always been confident with my body and my physique. Um, and when I first started, yeah, I was in good shape. I'd had a good run of yeah a good few years uninterrupted without any any issue any um any time off. So I was I was in a good place with with my physique and yeah um at the start of my prep. And then uh, at the beginning, I mean. You're gonna notice as you get smaller, uh, clothes don't quite fit you so well. They're gonna to start to hang off you a little bit. Sure. Um, but I think because I was quite, I was quite big to begin with, that didn't really, that didn't really affect me too much. Um,
0: so you were very confident from the beginning, pretty much. Like, yeah. that's yeah. something that I think is really important because mm. a lot of people enter a contest prep with the imagination or the thought, Sorry that the contest prep is going to only improve the way they view themselves and I think that it's very important to realize that going into a calorie deficit getting lean will actually change the way you look at your physique quite drastically yeah, yeah. and it's in very important to get comfortable with the way you look prior to starting a diet that's that's mm-hmm. my opinion at least yeah um, that's a good point so what would you say were the main changes that you that you saw in terms of how you were looking at yourself. So, okay. for really good question here in terms of, in your off season, gaining phase, surplus mm-hmm. before you did a prep. Yeah. H- how often would you look at your physique?
1: Uh, t- to be fair, I was always someone that would look at it quite quite a lot. But but then I'm. Um, that's probably not a good example Um <laughs> yeah my, my wife would say that I'm always someone that looks in the mirror checking the gains and, and that's been the way f- for years really um, were
0: you always happy though when you looked in the mirror when you were in a gaining phase or did you think man I need to get bigger I need to get this bigger this or bigger that or did you ever were you were you this is bit too deep into the questions I want to ask but were you were you more content were you more often content with the way that you looked when you're in a surplus so you look in a mirror you're in the surplus uh were you more often happy with the way that you looked comparative to when you're in a surplus and you look in the mirror uh
1: no see for me I, I was happiest in, in terms of my physique I was happiest in prep because I was always you know I always liked you know the way i look to an extent um even though i wanted i want to see massive changes like yeah. everyone else does um once i got into prep and started seeing the new separation and definition vascularity True. yeah that that was my kind of ideal physique um wow. like a few months out really you yeah, okay. know still fairly still fairly big but and even at the very end of prep i loved the way i looked to be That's fair um, and you were never yeah. like
0: you so see you were never you know we have other people on the podcast we had jonah and uh myself also just very Mm. covered up i'm not now but when (laughs) i first started my bodybuilding prep i was very covered up um if you asked anyone in the gym that i trained at when i was training with marcos me Mm. and marcos would train with a hoodie on the entire session like very very rarely would we take it off yeah and I think that prep actually improved my confidence with my right. body a little bit mm. and purely because I felt more, more comfortable to obviously training a vest and things like that. Um, but that's very interesting that mm. obviously the, main, the, the question, the answer, sorry, that I was expecting, yeah. I was expecting <laughs> from a lot of people is that the frequency of physique update check-ins would probably increase throughout the oh. prep. yeah they did increase yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's a given um so what do you feel like in terms of you know checking up on your progress keeping an eye on how you're looking Mm. obviously you coached yourself yeah do you feel like that was quite difficult did you ever battle yourself mentally to think i'm like i'm so not ready or i'm too far ahead or were there any mental battles that you had with the way that you looked in the mirror uh
1: funnily enough there weren't really um in terms Uh of how my prep went from a physique standpoint you know i think it went my first prep um for the first show i think it went you know almost perfectly really yeah um the effects were only you know well there were psychological effects and there were effects that were happening to my body but in terms of how the prep went and how I saw myself in the mirror um I was only ever really you know happy with with how it went you know strangely I don't know I don't know why it was only after I went into the second prep that I thought no things are starting to go downhill now um but so during the first prep I was yeah really happy with my physique progress over those wow. yeah six months Did
0: you have anyone Because you have a YouTube channel Which I'll link in the description below Which is very Mm. popular Very very popular And did you have anyone on YouTube That was sort of like regularly commenting Saying Ant you're looking really good You're looking far ahead Mm. And do you feel that That actually improved the way that you your sort of mental outlook I mean you you sound like a very positive guy throughout the entire thing mm. but do you think that external factors from people telling you look good did they help
1: I'd say it helped yeah the yeah. comments were mostly positive um yeah I'd say it mostly it helped it definitely wasn't a hindrance it definitely didn't make me cocky it just kind of confirmed what I thought that yeah I'm a bit ahead of schedule and things are going well um,
0: so you believed them you believed, like, the comments that were being said.
1: Well, I don't want to say... I didn't, you know. to be fair, I didn't believe them because I kind of... <laughs> that's,
0: that's what I wanted you yeah, to say. Yeah. yeah,
1: I don't... Yeah, it's hard to believe anyone apart yeah. from yourself, really. Um, Having said that, having a second eye in prep, even if you don't have a coach, uh, having, you know, a fellow coach like yourself yeah. or a, a, a fellow natural bodybuilder, a second eye is a, is a brilliant idea, I'd brilliant say. Brilliant Because um, you don't, you know... Things are a bit hazy in prep and you you always yeah you do start to look at your physique slightly from a negative point of view um and you become you know super sensitive to changes in your physique so the daily wanes, the effects from sodium sleep stress and um, you're going to become very um aware of the little changes that maybe other people won't notice um but because you're so focused on that it's good to have an outside opinion on your physique yeah. um so yeah uh, second eye definitely a valuable tool if sure. you having
0: a coach I can relate to that a lot I mean I had the pleasure of of sending you progress pictures quite often towards the end <clears throat> when when you were sort of transitioning out of a, a yeah. sort of a prep brain phase and, and I wasn't and I, I can I can really relate to this because I've worked with you know luckily enough to, to work with quite a few bodybuilding clients now and I'm noticing that quite often the the sort of when they send through the progress pictures they're almost like I'm not going to be ready. There's a, time, mm. there's a time period on this. And I think that that brings me to a point that people could maybe take away from this is that you do not always have to have a due date for this for this thing. Whilst a due date actually can motivate some people. And I think that in all honesty, I need a due date. Yeah. I, need, I need a given day that I need to be yeah. ready for because otherwise I'm going to be a bit lost but mm. for people that stress out a lot like i mean a lot a lot a lot yeah. i think it's almost a, there's some merit behind not having a due date and just getting lean because mm. otherwise you're constantly thinking like you'll set these you'll set these apps on your phone with a countdown mm. to the given day yeah and you know we we you know we get you know stressed about things if we have a countdown to you know, you know, at a point when we've got that's you know going to be like a scary thing for us. We, yeah. you know, we're always scared about these things. So I think that putting excess stress on like a due date can slow progress mm. um, and can make people just sort of a little bit more more scared. Did you ever think that? You know, I mean, did you ever think you, you weren't going to be ready, or you, 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 you were always feeling like you were going to be on point?
1: For my, for my first show, yeah, because I knew that was so, I was conditioned so yeah. far out. I knew, I knew that I would have something good to show on stage, sure. even if I kind of peaked a bit you know, too early, maybe, whatever. I still yeah. think... I never thought that I wouldn't do well on stage, if you that's know what I mean. That's really
0: good. That's really mm. good, and I think that's something that that I think people will always miss out on potential like great stage conditioning because of stress because they're stressing mm. too much this yeah. is really something that some of the people should take away from this is that anthony has done so well and it's evident when asking questions to him about how he felt on his physique how he dealt with food that you know he had a very sort of low level of stress for his physique he always mm. knew you you know you always knew that you were sort of going to display a good package which yeah which would have increased your confidence so much going to the show mm. and therefore displayed on stage you know you knew you knew that you were going to be one of the most conditioned guys and yeah. i think that that's what younger competitors teens juniors should have more of because quite a lot of those guys you know we saw two teenagers past weekend at, mm. at the BMBF Southern they were just just incredible incredible mm. teenagers that had yeah. huge amounts of development and and um, they posed confidently and and therefore looked great and i think up until about three weeks out i hadn't actually shown anyone my physique right i really, really hadn't <laughs> like th- this was for the first show i really hadn't shown anyone my physique i'd i'd sent marcus a few pictures yeah um but my friend marcos um if people know him from from other places in the podcast and stuff but he's the only one that really had seen my physique and i remember taking some pictures like two weeks out and knowing that these pictures were sort of really going to dictate how ready i was and i looked at them i remember Mm. setting the camera up and and taking the video and 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 scrolling through the video and i actually like through my i threw my f- phone on on the floor oh, really? I, I literally i was literally like i was sh- almost 100 percent sure that i didn't look any different to the year before right. i was 100 i was i was i was confident that i wasn't going to be lean enough and the reason the main reason that i was confident that i wasn't going to be lean enough is because i was comparing myself to the likes of nunez the likes mm. of these pro natural bodybuilders with yeah. you know striated glutes and The only time I gained confidence was when I actually posed in front of a guy called Harry Ranson, who also has a YouTube channel. um, I'm very good friends with, and I posed in front of him, and he was like, "Yeah, like you're you're shredded." Like people, Mm. there's if if there's a team that shows up more shredded than you, then you know it's it's going to be difficult for that to take place. Yeah, Yeah. So as soon as someone else looked at me and gave me that reassurance, I was like right I'm going to smash this and I honestly think if if I hadn't had Harry say that or I wouldn't have ever sent any of the photos that were taken when I posed in front of Harry to Mm. other people I said I remember sending them to like Damien Harry and things like that because I was now now really confident
1: like let's send these
0: pictures let's get them out there Mm. didn't post anything on Instagram Yeah, but i sent them out there and then as soon as i had that confidence boom i was ready and i showed it on stage and, and that's yeah. that's what i really think helped me um so i think that's a huge point is that whilst the psychological effects of of prepping is gonna take a toll on how you look you're gonna have good and bad days but mm. the main thing is, is you, you've got to have that confidence oh um, it's so
1: important yeah yeah you've got to enjoy it. you've you're working so hard for so long um yeah you need to feel good about yourself when you step on stage and like you said earlier i think um feeling good about yourself before you go into prep is is just yeah vitally important Vital. i think and yeah. that will show on stage
0: for sure yeah. and the same the same with food as well the same with food because i think uh, people yeah. can actually enter preps with food focus they can <laughs> enter bodybuilding preps with Not a good idea extreme <laughs> food focus and they think that I, well, they can't think that it's going to make it better because the only thing, the the only thing that's going to make a food focus worse is being mm. in calorie deficit. Yeah, um, it it just will. Um yeah. So yeah, I mean that was a brilliant discussion, and and mm. there were a few more things that I'd 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 love to have touched on, but I think we'll probably do a round two at some point. And yeah, we'll that's discuss- definitely. We'll discuss some some more topics and potentially talk through uh, maybe some suggestions for bodybuilders going through contest prep with yeah. struggles um, and how to sort of sort of balance them. I think also something that would be brilliant to talk to about you would would obviously be managing relationships in a contest prep because mm. that's that's something that that's i have i haven't i haven't done i haven't had the knowledge uh well the, the sort of the experience to be able to do that and mm. i think that's really important because there's a lot of teenagers juniors that are, that are going through relationships and and need to obviously maintain that so i think that's something that i'd love to obviously have mm. it back yeah, on yeah be so a good discussion yeah too. um, um so
1: yeah, yeah i think i mean just want to say as a uh, team um, and certainly going into a show for the first time I think yeah just just make sure you're ready for the commitment of competing and the relationship you're gonna potentially have with food because it's, it's such a big commitment and um, it's gonna affect a lot of areas of your life that you may not consider you know social aspects um, you know your studies for example and yeah, yeah it's, it's a big commitment uh, for a first-time competitor and I say maybe for a team think about leaving a little bit in the tank um, certainly for your first show uh, don't don't try and get all crazy diced and shredded I'd say for a team I mean we saw those two teams you know that they looked they looked great for a first show still they a little look- bit in the tank um, and yeah they could smash it at the finals so yeah 100%
0: yeah. I think that's a massively good point um, mm. you know the guys there had a little bit more to lose but they were massive and they, yeah, they, they look great I'd, I'd love to Um, hopefully going to spend be speaking to one of them soon and i'd love to know how he felt because i'd I'd like to see the balance between you know whether he actually felt like he suffered to get into that sort of shape i'm Mm. sure he did but it'll be interesting to see so um before i ask my final final very short question i'd just Mm -hmm. like you to give the viewers a chance to know where to find you so Instagram social media and i know and i know <laughs> okay. i know something about you you joined uh, snapchat today today so I did, um, yeah. so you can give away all your <laughs> all your social media also mention where you're most active so people can really sort of get a grasp as to where where they should be following you
1: yeah definitely so um facebook and instagram and bodybuilding and fitness uh i'd say instagram is where i'm most most active I do like to post on there um, sure. facebook i've Get back into as well. Uh, my Snapchat, what is it called? Uh, it's I just Antsidrick, I believe it's Ants, yeah. yeah. And my YouTube channel, just Ants Bodybuilding and Fitness. Once oh. again, um, had a bit of a layoff from YouTube, but I'll be making videos again shortly.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people that watch this already follow you. I'm sure, sh- yeah. like, we have a very close network. Me yeah, yeah. and a lot of other people online are very, very sort of close, and I'm sure a lot of people will love listening to this. Um, And it's been a pleasure to have you on. So that's been awesome. The last question I'd like to ask you is what would be your number one tip for teenagers, juniors, whatever, young people to take away from this podcast that they can implement tomorrow? So literally tomorrow. That's gonna benefit them to get better, either in or out the gym. Just anything, lifestyle, gym, something that will make them better. What would you say is is that top tip?
1: Okay. Or well, in relation to the psychological aspects, or stuff, separate.
0: Anything. Just a just your tip to make make them better tomorrow.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, just yeah, love your training. I think it's important to have a love for this sport hobby, uh lifestyle. Um just keep loving it and keep learning. There's so much to learn. Um, you yeah, know, well, I've got plenty more to learn as you know, as we all have. Um yeah, just keep keep that passion basically in terms of improving yourself. Um I go into detail about, you know, yeah log logbooks, things like that yeah, and dieting. Right. But yeah, just keep keep that passion there. It's so important. It's the reason I've been training for seventeen years. Um and I haven't fallen out of love with training because, I yeah, I yeah, I just love it so much. It's, you know, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and you that's don't it. want to, yeah. haven't really answered that in an eloquent no, way. A but yeah, love and learn. Love, yeah, and learn. love
0: and learn, I think. Love is and the, learn. That's is, a good is, way of summarizing it. a take-home though. point, and that's brilliant, And So, yeah. So thank you very much, guys and girls, for listening. This has been quite a, a long topic, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, that you'll take loads away from it. And um, from me, thank you very much. I will be seeing you in the next podcast. So I'll let Ant say, um, obviously, check out, and and then I'll see you in the next one. Cool,
1: yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. It was cool. awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for me, man. See you in the next
0: yeah. one.